Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Now I want to tell you about an incident that occurred today that you're not going to believe. It can only happen to Michael Savage. And every word that I'm about to tell you is the truth, ma'am, nothing but the truth. I'm on my bicycle, which I usually bicycle every day. I go down to the mall. I like to hang out for about an hour and watch various things. Mainly it's mothers with young, it's nursing mothers. And then there's a bunch of high school kids who come by to eat lunch. I don't know what they, what they do there. So I'm standing there on my bicycle. I don't talk to anybody. I just observe anonymously. And I see a group of white kids. And one of them has two earrings and a nose ring. And his pants are hanging down under his underwear. And he's a nice-looking boy. Nothing wrong with him. And I'm saying in another generation, he could have played Audie Murphy into Helen Back. Here he is, walking around with a pair of oversized pants. Every time he stands up, his pants fall down. And the jerk grabs his belt and holds his pants up to keep them from falling under his underwear. And I'm, I'm boiling inside. And I'm saying somebody should have smacked this kid in the face at home and said, I'm your father. You're not dressing like a stupid moron. I'll burn your pants. So I said, this is a product of not having a father around, that a kid could grow up like this. And I'm fuming. I call Mrs. S and I start to boil about what I'm seeing. And she says, there's the next generation. That's what's going to protect the country. That's what's supposed to pay Social Security when we're supposed to retire. That's supposed to have the brains to protect us from the illegal swarms amongst us. She said the perverts have degenerated the school system and we're on a roll, right? Now I see the kid looking at me. He's over at the car with his friends and he's pointing and he's looking at me. And he comes over and he says, are you Michael Savage? I said, yes. He says, I love you, man. He says, I have a Michael Savage fan club at my high school. I start to laugh. I said, you're making this up. He said, no, no, no. He said, I'm not how I look. I said, you're not how you look. 
Well, why are you dressing like that? Why don't you dress how you look? He said, I'm very conservative. I said, with two earrings and with a nose ring and with pants falling under your underwear, you're conservative? Yes, 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 he says to me. I said, then why are you dressing like an inner city crack dealer? Aren't you embarrassed? And he like looked with disbelief. And I realized in an instant that none of his politically correct teachers would even say to him, why don't you dress like a normal human being instead of dressing like a bum? an inner city jerk who sells crack on a corner. No teacher would dare say that to a kid today, which is why the children are so screwed up. Then his friends get up. Again, middle-class white kids, they get up, all their pants fall down on cue. All of the morons grab their belts and pull their pants up over their underwear. And I said to myself, I know where this style came from. This came from drug dealers who are boasting about their jail time. That in jail, of course, they take away your shoelaces and your belt. And these white morons are role modeling not the best and the brightest, but the worst and the dumbest. And not one teacher will tell them, don't dress like an inner city crack dealer. You look like a moron. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Dress like a normal human being. It took me to this kid. Would you believe it? Savage is razor sharp. Would 911 have happened had we not had the socialist pacifist Clintons in power? No, I can prove it for you uh, definitively right now in a two minutes or less. It's a very important thing for you to remember. And I'll tell you the story again if you haven't heard it before. Prior to 911, uh, perhaps a year or two before that, there were checks in place at the airports that would trigger an automatic uh, de detention uh, of certain individuals. They wouldn't let them on the airplane. And one of them was if they were of a certain ethnic extraction, if they showed up at the last minute without luggage, if they purchased first-class tickets for cash, that would trigger three alarms, and those people would not be allowed on the plane. Well, it turns out that about a year before 911, and I'll name the lawyer one of these days, he's still in America. I'm sure his daughter enjoys the best of everything. A radical red diaper doper baby lawyer sued the airlines, claiming that such policies were racist and discriminatory, as a result, when those men came through the airport at Bangor, Maine, I believe, they set off every alarm bell known to the airlines. The airlines wanted to detain them, did not want to permit them to go on to Logan International in Boston, but the airlines were intimidated by the red diaper doper baby lawyers. As a result, those 19 hijackers got on the planes, and the rest, ladies and gentlemen, is history and that's why I say to you if you ask me Savage what is your book about I'll summarize it for you in one or two sentences only a more savage nation can survive not a more compassionate nation not a more sensitive nation no only a more savage nation Savage. my first job out of college was a social worker in the upper west side of New York and all of my so-called clients were minorities. And the abuses of the system that I saw nauseated me. Now, I was a good liberal at the time, uh, having had my brain washed at one of the city universities of New York's colleges by a whole slew of European emigres who, instead of kissing the ground when they got here, uh, urinated on the ground and uh, immediately uh, sought to instill communist philosophy in the minds of the young, a goodly portion of them anyway. So I was a, a warped liberal kid took a job as a social worker to save the oppressed minority 
I was always an idealist. I still am, as a matter of fact. And uh, I saw the abuses of the system, one after the other. The people were working and said they didn't. Uh, they were ripping off the welfare system. But the, here's the most abusive thing I saw. I was a young worker. I was making $5,500 a year, remember, to this day. I had no furniture in my apartment. I had a mattress on the floor and, uh, I think, orange crates for lamp tables and things of that nature. And yet, I remember visiting one of the so-called welfare clients and coming back to my supervisor in the New York City Department of Social Welfare, whatever it was. And she said to me, well, do they have furniture? I said, no. She said, well, get out a pen. She said, now write this down. They're setting up an apartment, Mr. and Mrs. whoever, I'll, uh, Mr. and Mrs. G. Now, she said, every civilized family needs a bed. Write down $340 for a bed. They need two lamp tables. Write down $120 each. In the living room, they need a, a, a coffee table. Write down $120. They need a sofa. Write down $300. They need two lamp tables. They need two lamps, et cetera, and so on. The bill was something like three or $4,000 that I had to, to authorize a check to Mr. and Mrs. G to furnish their welfare apartment so they could lead, lead a standardized life. I went home to a mattress on the floor and two orange crates, and I was the professional. That's when I knew the system was broken. That's when I knew the system was sick. Now, it didn't radicalize me. I just left the welfare department and moved into teaching. I saw certain excesses in teaching, but I loved the children. I taught in an all-black school, and I happened to love it. I got along great with the kids. They got along great with me. I had certain techniques of teaching that worked very well. I never challenged them when they went down certain roads. And uh, I let them challenge themselves, and it worked out real fine. And uh, then I decided, you know, I really love teaching, and I love students. So I said, I'm going to go to the top of the teaching profession. Well, how do you do that? Well, I'll go back to school and laboriously get a master's degree and then a Ph.D., and then I'll be a college professor. Well, I'll speed it up. I got the best possible college Ph.D. you can ever get from a great university. I had written six or eight books by the time I graduated, and I came to get my job. They said, white men need not apply. That's when the worm turned. That's when I became radicalized. I had two young children. I had killed myself to get that degree. And because of the social engineering of the radical left, I was told to put aside all of my aspirations. The rest is history. I will not bore you with the details. I will not whine. I do very well indeed. But nobody handed it to me. It's been a long road of crawling on broken glass. And everything I have achieved, I achieved by myself, not because the government helped me. But the fact of the matter is, that's the slow road to reality and con conservatism of yours truly, Michael Savage. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. So you've got the uh, saddened... Uh, aging hippie left they think that it's the 1960s all over again they're thinking that they're going to have their their potency return the smell of patchouli oil is all over their forebrain they think that the young girls will put flowers in the gun barrels they will block troop trains and once again they will be young and not need viagra but the fact of the matter is that they're totally disconnected from the american street they're repeating the hatreds of the 1960s they're repeating the Florida battle all over again. They're playing culture war. They're disguising their, uh, their anti-war activities uh, with their hatred for George W. Bush and the Republican Party. And they are clear and present danger to our survival. When have you last heard anyone in the peace camp 
express any sentiment against Yasser Arafat, who kills Jewish children the way Hitler killed them. When have you last heard any of these members of the peace camp say anything about the 20 to 30,000 dead Kurds who were gassed by Saddam Hussein? They spend more vitriol talking about Donald Rumsfeld than they do about a Saddam Hussein. What does that tell you about them? It tells you that they're morally and politically bankrupt. It tells you that they are that they are a clear and present danger to the survival of the United States of America. And they tell you if you are in the middle to pay no attention to them. Now, Daschle having that hysterical interlude on the floor of the Senate tells us that they are panicking, they're having breakdowns, and they're trying to repeat Gerhard Schroeder's uh, success in Germany by appeal appealing to the communists and the uh, rabid mad dogs on the left. No double talk, just one man's opinion. If you divide the country into the red and the blue, the Republicans and the Democrats, and I'm not saying it holds across the board, but by and large, Republicans come from a stronger relationship to the Judeo-Christian, for want of a better uh, phrase, uh, sentiment, one God. They believe in a supreme being, one God. The Democrats, especially the more vocal ones, seem to be Hellenistic to me, where they are God. So Judeo-Christians believe in one God, and uh, the Hellenists believe you are God or we are God. In other words, it's idolatry to worship themselves, which is why most actors are Democrats, because they're Hellenists. They think they're God. I'm serious about this. It's a brilliant observation I've made that shouldn't be dismissed at once as, as, as let's say, vacuous. It's very interesting what I just said to you, and I don't have the time to go into it, but I want you to just apply that when you're watching the media from now on and see why you like some and why you hate the others. And the ones you usually like seem to have a tinge of humility and understand their place in the world and understand that this is a nation under God, while the others think it's a nation under them, the demigods, the Hellenists. No one has ever said that. And that's why the actors drive us crazy. Because they're phony, they're self-righteous, and they think that they're better than everybody else. And that's why we don't like them in plain English. So that's basically it in a nutshell. Michael Savage, now more than ever. I was asked to write an article on why liberals fail in talk radio and conservatives win. Why liberals fail? Well, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Many stories in the media have been written on this topic, but they have never explained why conservatives have such a complete grip on the talk radio market. Conservative talk radio has exploded because it is an alternative to the prevailing leftist doctrine hammered day and night by the press and television. For 20 years, liberals have complained about the unbalanced influence talk radio seems to give to the Republican Party. Now, it is true that every day millions of concerned Americans listen to or call conservative talk shows. Conservative talk show hosts largely predicted the results of the midterm elections and deserve much of the credit for the GOP's overwhelming victory. While I am myself an independent, many talk radio hosts are openly supportive of Republicans. It is the message we project, not so much the entertainment value, the family values, the patriotism, our support for the police, the military, and the traditional family. It is support for our nation's borders, for our language, and for our culture. If this message is mixed in with humor and education, you have a winner. Remember, listeners spend 5 to 15 hours a week with us. They get to know us. There is no makeup. There are no lights. They live with us, and they have to come to like us to become regular listeners.
I, Michael Savage, began in ultra-liberal San Francisco on a single AM station. I now have approximately 6 to 8 million listeners a week and can be heard on over 300 radio stations nationwide. I received my PhD from the University of California at Berkeley in nutrition and epidemiology. I had written 18 books in the field of alternative medicine prior to to beginning my career in talk radio. I had searched the rainforest of the South Pacific for well over 20 years, searching for cures as a leader in the field of alternative medicine. Do I fit the stereotype of the pickup truck and the shotgun that the mainstream media projects as representing conservatives? I don't think so. I and other conservative talk show hosts are passionate about saving America. We are passionate about closing our borders, preserving the English language, and preserving the common cultural values that built America. We motivate our listeners to be active in society through voting, through volunteering, and through chatting up these issues with their neighbors. Every day, millions of concerned Americans listen to or call conservative talk shows. It's the message we project, not the entertainment value. Liberals do not support the language of the land, English, as the glue necessary to keep America together. They support the Tower of Babel called multiculturalism and multilingualism. Liberals attack every significant aspect of our culture that has made America great, while conservatives continue to support the values inherent in the common culture. Now, what makes conservative listeners different? The media continues to project conservative listeners as uneducated backwoodsmen who carry shotguns in the back of their pickup trucks. While this demographic is certainly not to be underestimated, this does not explain the huge following of conservative talkers. Detailed analysis will show that listeners to AM talk radio, especially those who tune into conservatives, are generally more highly educated than the typical radio, sports, or music listener. They have a higher income, and they are thirsting for in-depth information on issues. They understand that the one-minute soundbite does not explain the whole story. By tuning into talk radio, they are getting much more in-depth analysis. These Americans care more about the issues, and they vote. Over 70% of listeners to talk radio vote. 70%. Surprisingly, Surprisingly, though, a recent industry survey showed that only 22% of listeners identify as Republican, 13% identify as Democrat, 9% as Libertarian. The whopping majority, 51% self-identify as Independent. Liberals who have failed in talk radio have all had the same flaws, I wrote. They were too strident and sounded like Junior Lennons. This has forced many networks and radio stations to cancel liberal shows, including those of Jerry Brown, Mario Cuomo, Jim Hightower, Alan Dershowitz, and Ed Koch. These radio stations did not cancel these hosts for political reasons. They are in business to make a profit, but the ratings and listeners were never there. What makes conservative shows different? As I said, it's the message. The silenced majority in America clearly backs conservative talkers in the war of ideas. This was clearly displayed in the last elections. Americans still see liberals as supporting the same tax and spend policies and continuously assaulting everything they believe in. The culture war inflicted upon the average American family is what it is all about. 
See, you can't be neutral in these times. Your life is involved in the sweep of history, and uh, either you're resolved to save yourself and your country, or you're not. And I've dedicated my life at this point to saving my family, my country, as best I can. I know it's, you know, commercial radio, and many of you are cynical and don't believe a word I say. That's your loss. And one of the books I have in my hand, it's by a man I never heard of. The long and short of it is a gorgeous picture book. The Art and Politics of Arthur Syke, S-Z-Y-K. And what it's about is political cartoons that he did during World War II. You remember the great pictures in World War II where the enemy was painted in, in uh, kind of negative terms, as they should, in order to marshal our troops to see them as subhuman, in order to kill them? Now, you've got to understand, your enemy is painting you that way. Now, I realize we can't fall down to their level. We've got to be superior to them. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're the uh, Western world. We can't fall to their level. But one of the things troops need is the courage to slay the dragon. Not just the military courage and know-how, but the psychological advantage of portraying Adolf Hitler as a madman or portraying uh, the Reich Marshal as the fat pig that he was, the, uh, the opium addict, the degenerate who dressed in girls' dresses, you know, that kind of thing. And Arthur Zeich was one of the cartoonists, if you will, or political satirists who used cartoons to paint such pictures. The book is unbelievable. In England, he showed we will never die, and, oh, I don't even want to go into it. You've got to get the book. But the point I'm making is he started as a man who painted Persian miniatures. He illustrated Bibles. You just won't believe some of his early illustrations in color. He began as an, an artist in, uh, in Europe who simply illustrated Bibles. He did illustrated Bibles, born in the Polish city of Lod, and when it was part of the Russian Empire, spent World War I there, later moved to Paris, then London before World War II, and he settled in New York. His major works included the Haggadah, the Passover text recited at a Seder, the Jewish Seder with a contemporary political bent, and he painted these amazing pictures. But in 1939, when Poland was carved up between Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union, Syke ceased all other work to make propaganda against the Axis powers. And he produced a stream of drawings showing fat Nazis and monstrous Japanese taking the racist stereotypes even further than the most official propaganda. We need racist stereotypes right now of our enemy in order to encourage our warriors to kill them. Do you agree or disagree? Or do you think we ought to fight the first politically correct war? Should we fight the first PC war and gamble on our survival? This is a great question, by the way. I know many of you liberals are even offended by the question. How dare this man ask the question? He should be arrested. Many of you are offended more by me than by Osama bin Laden. Many of you are so bent in your mind that you think that my free speech should be banned while the speech of Osama bin Laden should be permitted from Al Jazeera television. Many of you are so twisted in your mind that you trust Saddam Hussein more than you do uh, President Bush. This is what liberalism is. It is Trojan horse fascism without the jackboots. Savage.